0: become.
1: My name is Human. <laughs> I was like, Oh, oh, what? Hello. 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 My name is Human. Hey. And I came out from the sun. Hello, my name is Human. I stole the power oh. from the sun. Okay. More than just a man.
2: I'm so used to this. You should hear what what else he sings when he's excited.
1: <laughs> Are you? You sing like uh, Saturday Morning Theme Song and Celine
3: Dion. What's that, wrong with some Celine Dion? <laughs>
0: Everything's wrong with her. My boss. <laughs> My boss uh would sit in sit in his office and just crank Celine Dion all day long. He'd have like the same C D and he'd just put it on repeat and he'd just repeat for like an entire week. And I got nothing against Celine Dion, but damn. When, when you want
2: it the most there's no easy way out man. <laughs> it's just <laughs> wow.
1: Uh, this is another episode of the comic share. Uh so, we've got two special guests on this one, um, uh, other than the uh, the usual duo of Brian and I. Uh, we've got uh, Josh Reinhardt and we got Jordan Kramer. And so. Uh, hey, how's, how's it going, guys? It is going. This is a show where we discuss what we've been reading lately or what's been on our minds or just something we, we want to share. Uh, and the title of the The show is called Comic Share, but don't necessarily have to be comics, but I know most of it will be comics that we share. So, uh, Josh, do you want to go ahead and start us off? What do you you got on your mind?
0: Sure. So, I uh, had been starting to read, go back a little bit, Um, been into comics for a long time, and then kind of got out for a little while, and... Uh, just recently started reading uh, more comics again here in the last couple of years, and I was looking for something new. I I, I love Marvel. I love DC. I, I grew up, like, Batman was, like, it for me. Um, and so I love reading uh, Batman, but I got through all of the comics, and I'm looking for something different, something um, that I hadn't, you know, ever read before, and so I'm, like, flipping through um the the digital service that I have, and um, I came across this title called Black Hammer. And I'm like, I don't know what this is, but it looks kind of interesting. And I read a little bit about it, and um, so I, you know, downloaded it and started reading it. And I loved it; like, I was, I was in. There's um, what it is. It's it's kind of a at first I thought it was kind of a, a take on um, like the uh the old like Golden age style um, superhero uh, like team up kind of thing. Um, and there is a lot of kind of uh, allusions to some of like uh, the, the DC, mainly um, the DC universe and, and kind of those, those heroes and kind of a spin on them um for instance one of the
1: isn't there a crossover of uh black there there actually there actually
0: is okay yes and and i read that like uh after i had already started getting into it and i'm like this is this is awesome but one of the members is is the golden gale and she's like the reverse shazam You know, so she's like an older adult, but when she says the uh, magic words, um, which I think are Zafram, uh, (laughs) she turns into like this eight-year-old, 10-year-old superhero girl and um, just kicking ass and taking names. You know, there's a um, uh, a John Jones style, you know, Martian manhunter. He's a Martian. His name is Mark Marks. Um, and you know it has a lot of the similar power. So you know it's it's kind of you know I thought it was kind of a rip on you know some of the the um, old you know golden age style, uh, or um, uh, not animation but um, illustrations and everything of of like the the Justice League and everything. Um, but as I got it's like there's so much more. Like it it is its own world and in its own universe and. And um, there's a there's a deeper mystery. Uh, so it opens up and you are already, you know, and kind of there with the this um, group of, of superheroes and they're on a farm in just kind of like podunk, middle of nowhere. Um, and there's this underlying mystery. They don't know how they got there. They can't leave. Um, and they're trying to figure out, um, you know, this, this whole thing, how, how did they get there and why can't they leave? And, and, uh, some of them are just, you know, they've been there for years. And so some of them are kind of resigning to, you know, this is, this is their life now, the, you know, the, the superheroes that they were, that's, it's over and gone with, um, so they're just, they're kind of given up and, and just living the relaxed life. And some of them are, uh, just, they can't take it anymore. They, they want to get away from this. They feel trapped and, and imprisoned there. And so it's just this cool dynamic, uh, amongst the characters and, um, trying to figure out what the, the mystery is that, um, has brought them there. So it's it's pretty cool, um, and then as you read on, um, and you get to explore a little bit more of um, the mythology of it, and there's been a couple of spinoffs, and um, just they they've created this entire world spanning, you know, all the way back um, into like the um, early or excuse me the the late eighteen hundreds, uh, and and then different. Uh, time periods you got like a pulp time period and there's like heroes from there and um then there's like heroes and and you can see kind of uh this progression of of uh characters in in this world beyond the the farm that that they are all from hmm. now is this who is is dark is, is there any or?
3: parallels to like legend tomorrow
0: what what's that?
3: Is there any parallels to like Legends of Tomorrow with all the the different centuries and years?
0: So there is a um I haven't read all of the spin-offs, um, but I know that there is one that is is set like in the uh the, the future. It's about a hundred years in the future from where they're all at. And um there is some time travel then involved and um as far as uh, allusions to different heroes you know that might have been in in legends or whatever i don't know necessarily that but but um there is just a, a whole another separate um series or, or at least uh, allusions to and 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 uh, talking about the different heroes from that age
1: now is this is this dark horse or who does the uh, who publishes
0: i i want to say let me look it up here I
1: don't
0: think it is DC. I think they've, like you it said, they've is. had a. It is dark horse. Or, okay. Yes, it is dark horse, and yeah, they did. They did do um, the the crossover um, with with the Justice League, um, and that was pretty fun uh, to read as well. Because you have like your main core cast of the Justice League, and uh, some of them get transported to the farm. And some of the characters from the farm get transported um, to, uh, I think it's it's the the DC universe, um, and then you you kind of see uh, the the same reactions. You get to experience the a lot of the story of the Black Hammer series, but through the eyes of the Justice League. You know as Um, like Superman is kind of essentially given up and, and resigned himself to living on the farm. And, and, you know, as he was from Smallville and grew up on a farm, like that's kind of, you know, relaxing to him and he's just enjoying the simple life and, you know, Batman's the tinkerer and, and, you know, is not wanting to give up and is trying to find a way Uh, back and and what has happened and um it's it's well worth the read well worth the read that kind of reminds me
1: the whole uh like the farm setting and stuff reminds me of there was an arc or there was a mini series that uh, dc did like last year so where they all were and it was like a murder mystery but they're all like in this farmhouse in nebraska yeah i can't remember the name of it i don't know if it was Um, a part of the Crisis name because they always, have yeah, um, heroes in crisis. There we go. Here, yeah, and yeah. I think it was like down between Harley Quinn and Booster Gold, like between the two of them, who was the murderer or something.
0: Yes, and it turned out to be neither of them. Oops, spoilers. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that's a that's also a very, very uh, good one, uh, to read. It really kind of delves into the 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 mental illness and and um aspect of of what it means to to be a hero and and uh the the trauma that they go through you know we don't always we put them up on this this high pedestal um you know is that they're untouchable unbreakable but um when it comes down to it, they're, you know, human, just like us. Um, oh, and I think you guys had talked about a little bit about that in a previous podcast about how that's kind of the direction that Marvel is going with, um, the shows and movies that the, in the MCU and, and really kind of touching on that. And I, that's, that was the first thing that I thought of was that that heroes in crisis, um, book that DC had put out is, is really good. Yeah. I was just going to say when you're, when you're
1: talking about that, it reminded me of, Yeah. Our discussion on Moon Knight.
0: Yeah.
1: Yes. Where we're talking about how Moon Knight has like three different personalities. Mm -hmm. And we're hoping that it would explore the mental illness part. Yeah. Differential
0: identity
2: disorder.
1: There you go. Yes. And because, yeah, they may be superheroes, but superheroes aren't always perfect. Right. They may be uh, perfect in like physical aspects and stuff. But as far as like in their heads, it's a different story.
2: I think that's what made uh, Man of Steel, just in my opinion, I think that's what makes Man of Steel the best Superman movie in that they show his human side. That he, though, is this alien creature that can lift and essentially he can save the planet any given day, right? He... Um, In Man of Steel, he saves those kids on the bus. And one of my favorite scenes in that movie is when he asks uh, Kevin Costner's character, who was perfect to play Superman's dad, by the way, is when he asks him, like, should I have let them all die? And he goes, yeah, maybe. Like, that's and I love that. I love that scene because that's that's the hero's journey. Like, sometimes you have to decide between a building about to crash or a plane about to crash. Which one are you going to save? Which people and like no matter which which one you save, there's gonna be loss in the back end. So I, anytime you know, heroes in crisis, anytime they show the human side of heroes, I think as a human we just naturally we just mag we're more magnetically drawn to it. If if it's it's nice seeing you know you know Superman do all these flying twirls and saving planes and stuff, but if you can't relate to him. In any in any way, it's really hard to get yourself emotionally invested into a character, right? Absolutely. And that's,
1: when they create, when uh, Stan Lee had created the character of Spider-Man, Stan Lee and Steve Ditko, that was that was kind of what they did. It was like, yeah, you've got like all these heroes, but we've created this teenager that has real real problems. He, you know, uh, he may be a superhero, but at the same time. He's gotta worry about uh, girls are you know, thinking, Oh, does he like me? He's gotta worry about acne, he's gotta worry about homework. And so that was kind of one of the first
0: gals into that. Well, in, in his entire origin, you know, of the dealing with the ramifications of essentially mm. maybe not causing Uncle Ben's death, but allowing it to happen unbeknownst to him. You know, as, as being a, a selfish teenager, and you know, out of out of spite, letting letting the guy go, and then that same guy kills his uncle. You know, dealing with that like that's heavy. Yeah, that man. is heavy. There's definitely a yeah. you know?
3: guilt aspect there. Well, could, Absolutely, yeah, that was like total father figure for him too. Yeah, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. you know, and and Batman. I mean, like. I relate or relate. I I can, I've always loved Batman because he is human and because he, uh, you know, doesn't have superpowers, but he has come from this traumatic, traumatic event of, of watching his parents die in front of him. Oh yeah. And, you know, and then um, having that, that survivor's guilt and that anger and you know that he he deals with and not always in the the healthiest ways, but he's human. We don't always deal with things in the the healthiest ways, and that's why I, I love these characters. And um, going bringing it back to to Black Hammer, like you see that even though um, you know there's aliens and and. Uh, magical powers and and things like you you see the humanity of these characters that uh, some of the just they've been fighting all their life and they just want to be able to relax and others that feel trapped and can't get uh, can't get closure um, and and some that are kind of pulled in between and um, you know the life that they had, and this life that they've been given, and and you know how to how to deal with it.
3: Okay, kind of makes wow. me think of uh, Hank Pym and Ant Man turning it over to Scott Lang, like uh, let's pay it forward or pass in the buck. Like I kind of want to retire and sit on the sideline. Jorick, uh,
1: do you have anything you'd like to share with us?
3: Well, I haven't uh, probably been doing as much of. Uh, reading I, I probably need to uh catch up but I did uh grab a I have a we got an old tote of uh comic books my my wife's from a big family and somehow we inherited the box mother-in-law was like here you go so so this this thing's got all I don't know random stuff like uh I, I'm looking at a March um when is this 19. 19- 1985, uh, Power Man versus
1: uh, Iron Fist. Oh, the Heroes for Hire. Nice,
3: yeah. I'm, so there's some, like I said, I'm gonna have to do some reading on these. It was more so just diving in and seeing what kind of history there was. Like, uh, when is this? I like, think this is a uh, 1983. We got a spy, Spidey battling a Daredevil. Oh, so,
0: awesome.
3: Yeah, um, nice. Yeah, I got some uh, catching up to do, but yeah, I got to keep looking through the through the <laughs> box here. But there, I think I saw Cole, yeah, Conan the Barbarian, GI Joe, sweet. Um, yeah. that's probably all when Marvel was doing them. Because Marvel yeah, had licensed a lot of stuff yeah. back then. Yeah, and there's the uh, <coughs> Avengers from '85. Oh, oh there, there you
1: go. Also, oh, what that had like Black Knight
3: and who else was oh, on that cover? Uh, into the savage land is what it's called but, uh, oh, Black oh, Knight uh,
2: and the Avengers I, th- I thought Black Knight and Cersei joined the Avengers in the early 90s would 85 be too early
1: I, uh, I guess
2: uh, I guess they're in the 80s too show
1: us cover her again Jordan
2: because Black Knight might be one of next to Moon Knight Black Knight might be one of the most anticipated people for me to see coming up oh yeah yeah, that's, I, that's Conan, which is typically, that is Conan, right? I'm not tripping.
1: To... Sorry. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, it kind of flips back and forth between our faces, so it's going to, for me, it's like, well, I better shut up because I'm talking, and so therefore it's <laughs> on my face. <page>. <laughs> looking at Alan, like, I, <laughs> I <laughs> wanted to
2: look at Jordic's thing. <laughs> hey, Jordic, just start talking when you do that. Right. right do <laughs> bit, just start
3: talking and just start yeah it's just they need to record you (laughs) oh okay at the uh at the uh end of this we we have this guy terminus show up who i i don't know anything about terminus but uh there you go (laughs) i've heard of the guy yeah anyways like i said mine's more of a i I gotta get to reading some of these too but yeah looking at the gems that there are like it's there's quite a bit of content there so oh yeah nice yeah that's a nice that's a good find
1: there i love i love it when i find the old comics like that i think for more more for uh old comics i i look more for the the art like the story is I never found the older comics, the the writing, to be that well. But the art is always... I don't want to say nostalgic, but it's really interesting to see the art.
3: Yes, I know people that buy specifically for art. Like, they might not actually even read the the books, but they buy it for the art value of it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, there was a... uh, um, a Wolverine party edition first cover printing that I purchased this year um, that it was, you know, typical $3.99 or $4.99, whatever. Um, and when uh, I, I, I was telling this to Alan, um, I've been doing this for, uh, this would be my third third year, but um, I buy all, I, I so I collect all the comics that I buy throughout the year and the ones that I just didn't like and have no intention on reading again, I actually take back to the comic store And, you know, sell them back. Um, And this Wolverine one, this party edition first printing, um, I I made like $150 off of it because it was legitimately, it wasn't even the story that grasped. It was the the first printing of this party edition Wolverine smoking a cigar. Um, I had no idea, obviously, until I took it back. But, I mean, to, to Alan's point, you know, art is almost, and that's what I think makes comic books interesting is, you know, people read books and they're like, that story was so deep. There was so much compacted and like there's so much philosophy and like analogies to life and like all this stuff. And then you read comics and you know for the most part they don't get that deep. <laughs> like there's not nearly as much depth as there are in say a book. So um, you know, the art from comics is huge, absolutely huge. And you think about kids, um, they're not reading their favorite Iron Man comic because they're curious what Iron Man's recovery from alcoholism looks like. They're reading it because Iron Man shoots laser beams out of his hands and they want to see the cool art from it. Right. So I I think that's what makes comic books a little bit unique in their writing is they're having to, to make appease so many different, uh, backgrounds of people and what they are wanting to read a comic for. Right. Um, That reminds me of, uh,
1: so I was watching that uh, on Disney Plus. There was that uh, Marvel 616, the series.
0: Oh, yes. How was that?
1: Oh, that was amazing. Well, I so I just watched the first episode so far. Which yeah, one, I started
3: the Spider-Man one.
0: Yep.
1: And the, so I was talking about this guy, the guy who basically started it. He was from America, but like his girlfriend lived in Japan and so that he had traveled there back and forth and he had noticed uh how marvel was not a presence at all in japan and so that was his mission to go ahead and give him a presence there but when he was going ahead and doing this he was looking at the difference between japanese comics aka manga and american comics and how manga was more for the action there was a lot less dialogue going on and it
0: was more more action going on in it, and more of the art. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah, I um, so you know I had kind of mentioned earlier that I had, you know, I had grown up, you know, reading a few comics. I didn't get a lot. Um, it was mostly you know either secondhand or borrowing one from somebody, and and it wasn't till. I don't know, about 15 years ago, like, I had had kind of gotten out of it. And then I was talking with a buddy of mine, and he happened to tell me, you know, about um, this new, new Batman arc um, called Hush. And, you know, so, so I went and checked it out. And I was just amazed just blown away by the artwork that Jim Lee had done and, and like it just hands down one of my favorite depictions of, of Batman ever um and and I mean I love you know the Neil Adams and and you know the they were of their time and and that's what what this was and it's just for me that's the de- definitive you know Batman between that and Batman the animated series Oh, yeah. you know, I, I love the, the artwork.
1: And on Jim Lee there, that was like, so yeah, he <laughs> went over to DC. That's post-Marvel and post-Image. Right. And like what I'm stuck on with Jim Lee is his image stuff. I loved mm-hmm. I loved all uh, the early days of Image, especially with Jim Lee with Wildcats and Gen 13 and stuff. It was Gen 13, but definitely Wildcats. I love Wildcats, especially for Jim
0: Lee's work. Yes. Speaking of image, um, Jordick, you were talking about you came across the, uh, all, all your plethora of comics there. Um, my buddy that that introduced me, you know, to to Hush, um, he was going through all of his uh, old comics that he collected as as a kid, and he's like, you know what, I I don't have kids, or at least he didn't at the time. He goes, I don't need these anymore. And so he gave me, I don't know, it was like three or four like boxes of old image. Um, So mostly image and then a lot of uh, X-Men stuff from like the the 90s, um, all that like Chris Claremont and and then a bunch of Spawn and and, um, Wildcat. I mean, just so much stuff that I, you know, I had never even heard of either, but I still have boxes of that stuff i haven't even gone through but <laughs> you were talking about getting uh getting yeah. a truckload of comics it just reminded me of all the stuff that i've got down in my basement somewhere <laughs> Oh, <Uh-oh. laughs>
1: i know when i find like boxes of old comics and they're mainly like from the 90s or whatever i find a lot of image like yeah. i think i think people threw away a lot of image they weren't as people weren't they weren't as good, I guess. People, they weren't as popular.
0: Well, yeah, they weren't X Men or they weren't Justice League and Batman, Superman, yeah. Spider Man. So.
2: Especially
1: the Rob Liefeld stuff.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <The extreme laughs> okay, okay, time out. Let's, let's talk about the most <laughs> comic book writer of all time. Just
3: kidding.
2: <laughs> okay.
1: Just kidding. Uh,
3: I'm actually not kidding. I do here, not like it. Here, There's a the well used one. Oh. From 1980 on this baby, but uh, wow, yeah, oh, no, that, this looks like
1: we got well loved. <laughs> yeah, hey, Brian, you got
2: anything to share with us? Uh, yeah, let me show you the Book of Mormon. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I haven't. read <laughs> uh, what? Anything. I know it. Uh, I haven't. I haven't read any new comics in a few weeks. Um, actually, we. Um, I wish we would have started this like a week or two early because it was like three days before the idea came out, I had taken all of them back and I, you know, I had a Falcon and winter soldier series that I had read the first one and got two, three and four, but I just didn't like the first one enough to read two, three and four. So I never did, but that would oh. probably be the one I'd want to talk about is the Falcon and winter soldier one. Um, I well, think it's a, and, issue number five. Now
1: go ahead and share a little bit on, uh, on your, what you remember Oh, it's just, it.
2: it's, it's, it's it's just the, it's, I think because Marvel, ever since, I don't know, probably 2016, you can actually see this trend. Um, about 18 months before Marvel, the MCU, I should clarify which Marvel, uh, before the M- about 18 months before the MCU puts something new or an idea or whatever um, out there, they'll actually increase like comics for that. So, like the Eternals, for example. Um, they they've they've increased the writing and the printings of those and et cetera. so I, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I think was really being written to get people prepared for the uh show because it's it's pretty it's I mean, it's not your typical lighthearted comic like there's some you know beaten up and darkness going on. so uh, I will say that I read it in April, I believe. so it's been a while <laughs> um but uh it's basically. Um, Bucky and Sam, and their origin and how—not the MCU's origin, the comics origin—and um, how they came about partnering up and um, conquering. You know the the ramifications of Captain America no longer being there, uh, a world post Captain America. nice All
3: right. so. so that's kind so of so is similar that similar to, to like? In the, oh, sorry. No, so
1: go ahead, Jordan
3: Oh, okay. I was just going to say, is that similar to kind of how, like, toys sometimes come out through the cracks before, like, movies uh, are released a little bit with the comics that, like, toys are produced beforehand?
2: Sort of. Um, the, the, sorry, my roommates were just texting about bills and stuff. Uh, the, the, Toys and stuff are a little bit different um, because those are depicted directly from the movie, which is why those tend to get real, real, real tricky. Um, okay. especially with COVID, um, having all these toys being mass produced and being like, yeah. Oh, by the way, don't release them for a year, <laughs> right? So that's why we're seeing a bunch of like these things pop up where where whereas comics, it's it's more designed to the 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 way they and again, this isn't really something that's been stated. Like Kevin uh, uh, Feige has not, in any way, shape, or form, said we're doing this to get people to start reading that comic again. So, when the movie comes out, um, it's just merely if you look at the the the, the data and the facts of sure. you know, when they've been released and when the movies come out, it's it's a very common trend right now amongst the MCU.
0: So, uh, well, it's it's kind of a-, a it's a marketing and and. Synergy, you know, cross company synergy, you know. I mean, it just it just builds the hype, you know. It, it 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 builds the hype for the the release of the you know whatever movie or show that's coming out, as well as then you know uh, gets people back into those comic roots and and find out a little bit more about those characters.
1: It's kind of a good way to for. Sorry, like, I didn't uh, mean to
0: interrupt you there.
1: No, that's, please do because. <laughs> want to hear more from you guys than from my mouth. Um, but uh, it's kind of a good way to, to predict what's coming. Uh, like Brian said, if they they start doing it 18 months or so before they actually even say anything about it, then it's kind of if you want to start predicting on what's going to happen, that's a good thing to start paying attention to. Uh, that also reminds me of how right. what, I think it was last year they did a whole event about carnage. Like the whole, the big, all these Marvel heroes carnage. are carnage. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And, you know, it's no secret that Denim 2, Woody Harrelson, is going to be carnage. And that's what it's going to be about. So I'm pretty sure that was hyping up everybody to, hey, remember this villain we had? He's going to be in a movie.
2: Well, this year's was, what was it, Empire? E-M-P-Y-R-E, yeah. I think right? is the is the major event there. I haven't, I'll be honest that I haven't even partaken in any empire related anything. They just haven't intrigued me. Um, I didn't participate much in absolute carnage either uh, last year, but uh, no. Yeah. You're, I mean, you're absolutely right. So um, like not this year's, um, I don't know if they're going to do a new issue of fantastic four or anything this year, but pay very close attention. Come late, late 2021, early 2022. Uh, up to like mid summer twenty two, um, for any new and I want to emphasize new Fantastic Four series being issued, uh, because you know eighteen months, you know, um, tw- late twenty twenty one, early twenty two. I think that might be the <clears throat> the family dynamic style that we can expect All
1: right.
2: or hope to expect, you know, and I think that's. Yeah, I think just yeah. I so any anything eighteen months before you know it's it's right around eighteen months. Now you have some things like uh Shang-Chi. Just learned how to say that by the way. Um, thank you, Kevin, for saying that. It's not Shang Chai like I have been personally saying. It's Shangxi. Um but Shangxi uh had a comic come out two months ago, about two months ago. Um, I only got issue number one. Um, never dived into it though, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, taking that time frame, that's, you know, a little bit before under that 12 month mark, but, you know, pretty much 12 to 18 months. If you start seeing unique comics come out, um, there might be a good reason for that. Cause you know, Kevin is in t- in charge of all things Marvel entertainment now. And that does true. The, the comics fall under that category as well.
0: Now, and I'm sure... COVID probably threw a wrench into a lot of that release oh, yeah. stuff.
1: Oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, like, like we said before, we should have watched Black Widow and Eternals by now and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So everything that, you know, yeah, um, they made WandaVision and WandaVision, yeah. So everything that they had teased 18 months or so before now, I don't know, That that probably would have been stuff that they were – be introducing in those movies.
2: Well, not to, like, make COVID harder for us, but had it not happened, we'd be watching... We'd have seen WandaVision, right? Mm -hmm. And Doctor Strange would be coming out in about five months. It's true.
1: That would be the next movie to hype about.
2: So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... I definitely think uh covid i think putting a wrench in it's the best way to say it <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah now did you have anything else to say on the falcon and the winter soldier comics no
2: as far as this 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 series goes unfortunately not really um when josh was talking about uh his um in the farming and uh it kind of reminded me of um secret wars um the newer the 2015 secret wars um, that everyone was part of this uh, new doomsday world, right? Doomsday or whatever. Uh, but nobody knew how they got there, right? They were like, Yeah. I'm just here, not really going to question it. I'm just going to go. So, um, yeah, I unfortunately, I don't have much to partake, partake in. Well, that
1: makes me think of now.
2: Probably won't until
1: we're talking about the comics are pushing and predicting, and then I'm thinking about, you know, pushing a whole bunch of characters into one area. There was, X-Men was doing this whole thing where they're pushing everybody into Krakoa and, uh, like, making their own government and stuff. What was that? It was, like, the, uh, not the Sword of X series. That was the newer one. But uh, now I can't remember the name of that arc. But that almost makes uh, me wonder. The
0: Powers of X and yeah. House of X?
1: Yeah, that's it right there. Yes. And so they were really pushing that hard for X-Men. Like, I know that the whole Fox uh, acquisition thing is a little tricky. But it makes you wonder. I mean, what is it? You know, we're all trying to predict of what they're going to do with the X-Men and the MCU. That was a big thing they were pushing.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think in the MCU, I think the mutants are going to originate in the background. Um, I don't think we're going to have like a uh, uh, mutant origin story by any means, but I think they're going to... So like in the background of WandaVision is what I mean. So like kind of like the way Thanos was built up, I kind of think that's what, how they're going to do the mutants is they're going to kind of in the background descript where they've been and... Uh, how they've been hiding, if they've been hiding, maybe, you know, for all we know, Miss Marvel could be the jumpstart of the mutant universe in that you know, the Terrigan mist or something you know, you never know what Marvel has planned, Um, especially Kevin um, who, as much as he likes to be true to the comics uh, he's also creating his own Marvel universe (laughs) with his own stories that have their own consequences and their own ramifications. And and
0: Um, I like that
2: Oh, I, I love it. I, I, and I know there's, a you know, there's a lot of people are like, this isn't how the comic was, And, you know, at the very, very beginning of the MCU, I might have been that way a little bit. Like, ah, that's not how the comic, but once I started seeing, like, this is their version. Like, this is going to be their own version. You know, I, I clung on and I was like, oh, heck yeah. This is awesome. And, you know, it's, I mean, the, I think Endgame making the most amount of money any movie's ever made just shows Kevin is a very smart man, and he knows how to take something as geeky as superheroes and give them depth and story and emotion and complexity. And, I mean, that switching it about up about like when... Yeah,
1: oh, say, uh, so I was just going to say, switching it up, too. Like, not every movie is going to be the same genre. Not, you know, people... To try to eliminate as much fatigue as you can, not every movie is just going to be your standard superhero movie you've got some like gonna be about sitcoms and Captain America, Born a Soldier was like a political thriller and uh, Doctor Strange 2 is going to be kind of like a horror kind of thing so, you know, they gotta they get you know, switching up the genres that's another good thing too
2: oh, Absolutely yes. Love it For all we know, The Eternals could be a musical. (laughs) And I say that because I've heard strong suggestions that there's going to be a musical number of some kind in there. Um, Oh, God, that'd be great. So, I mean, I don't know. For all we know, we could... The Flash... I I was just going to say
0: that. (laughs) That was...
2: Honestly, that was kind of an embarrassing thing to watch, but whatever. Um, Oh,
0: The Flash? It worked, though. It really did. Yeah, the Flash Supergirl crossover yeah. with the musical. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> if uh, I don't know if any, anybody ever watched the show, uh, the Magicians off a of sci-fi, but they almost always had at least one musical episode uh, I, per per season.
1: I think Buffy had a a musical episode, like. And I think it was something how they're all under some kind of spell where they all had to sing or something. Yeah. Which reminds me of the. If you guys ever watched Scrubs, there was an episode where there was a patient who came in. There was. got a hit on the head. So every. Uh, they. Everything they saw, everybody was singing to the patient. So the whole episode was a, was a
0: musical. I mean, if it's done right, I, I don't have a problem with it. I think it's going to – if they do, it would it would do just like what they've done with, with many of the Marvel movies in subverting the expectations, you know. And like I said, I think if it's done right, I don't have a problem with it.
2: If anyone could turn a superhero movie into a musical that I love, that all of us love, it's Kevin. Like, let's be honest. <laughs> yep. I'm I'm at the point, and I was telling this to my buddy the other day because he uh, he was talking. He's like, I have just I have all these worries about everything they've announced because there's so much and there's you know so much complexity and like they're so different, etc. And I'm just like, listen. After Guardians of the Galaxy, I have complete confidence in Kevin, and that no matter you know whether it be a crime thriller, uh, a comedy, a musical, or drama or horror, whatever the genre kevin wants his movie to be about he's gonna make it good yep period right oh, yeah. and until he proves me wrong and like fails completely like a bad movie isn't failing by the way <laughs> um if, if a bad movie comes out soon it's not failing by any means um it just goes to show how spoiled we've been with the quality of everything we've gotten but you know, I just – if anyone could make The Eternals into a musical and make me love it, it would be it would be Kevin. <laughs> yep.
3: I'm, I mean, if you get the right team on it, yeah. I'd bring in uh, Manuel Fair from Hamilton and oh. let, let him put some numbers in it. I mean – He'd
0: probably yeah. be the go-to guy like for that right one. now.
3: Mm-hmm. Maybe someone on the Rent movie. You know, they could – well, There's uh, people that would work with it, I'm sure.
1: The what? What's the face off of Flash? The the whole father figure. He was on Rent.
0: Jesse Martin.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna forget. I'm gonna forget his name right now. But yeah, he was in the the Rent version that that came out on, uh, or that was released the the one that Chris Columbus directed or produced.
1: I I got some comics in, so I got. The shop that I have been going to for a long time, um, I don't live in that area anymore, but I still keep in contact with the owner. He's been a long time a friend of mine. And so I just got a shipment in from him, from my pull list, And he sent me, well, he sent me the latest issues of Ninja Turtles, which is, that that's my big thing right there. And so I'm caught, up, I'm caught up on Ninja Turtles, but also um, I've been reading the new uh, Yosagi Yojimbo uh serious for idw yusagi ojimbo uh for those of you who don't know he's he's crossed over a lot with ninja turtles and that's that's how i got into him because again i said i say that ninja turtles is my big thing so uh yusagi ojimbo obviously i know him from there and he's a samurai rabbit or i guess he's a Ronin. a lonen i guess is a samurai who doesn't have a master and they're just a traveling samurai so he's a ronin rabbit and that uh, each issue is just him traveling and coming into just different things so just touching on it briefly i got the latest issues of Yasaki Ojimbo. stan Sakai. i think that's how you pronounce his name that's who that he's written and drawn the uh the series from the very beginning uh dark horse did it for a long time and then I think uh, Mirage Studios, who, who, uh, they're the original ones for Ninja Turtles. They did Yosagi for a while. And now IDW does it now, which is where Ninja Turtles is at. So I just wanted to kind of touch on the, uh, I've got, I haven't finished them quite yet. That's a Will Eisner winner, I guess, evidently. And then, uh, so I've guessed to read number 13 and number 14 yet. But number 11 and 12 i read and it kind of deals with he uh yosagi goes back home to his hometown or his home village i guess and there's a uh, another rabbit here who like was his childhood rival and he's now the head of the village and like his wife evidently uh yosagi and his wife they're hinting at like they had an affair and had a kid together and they're trying to pass off the kid as as this guy's and like he thinks it's his kid the whole time so it looks pretty cartoony but there's some very deep elements and stance again i don't know how you pronounce this stance Nice. um he he himself is japanese and he roots a lot of japanese lore and history into his into this and and this one there uh a lot of times there's like a little write-up at the end from him explaining the the history that he put in there so yeah i'm pretty i'm i'm caught up now on on the series i've got one through 14 now until so i just finished this i got this trade a couple years ago but i just went back and finished it Hellblazer, uh constantine nice. and this is the first volume here <clears throat> now i've been really wanting to get into the vertigo comics Uh, Vertigo, obviously, is owned by DC. I guess Vertigo is not really a thing right now. Uh, DC shut it down, and DC's kind of been in crisis. Uh, I know they use that word a lot, but they're actually in crisis right now or something. But they shut down the Vertigo sect, and throughout the years, Vertigo has been, like, loosely tied in with the DC universe. Constantine or Swamp Thing Mm -hmm. or whoever will show up as characters (coughs) in the other DC titles. But They've actually shut down the whole Vertigo line, and um, they're still doing Constantine stuff. And I think a lot of DC Black Label as uh, uh, a lot. They pushed yeah. a lot of the Vertigo over to. But uh, yeah, so Hellblazer. Um, now, if you guys ever watched the show, the Constantine show they did recently, with Matt Ryan, and I mean they they brought Matt Ryan on to Legends of Tomorrow now, the Constantine character, which is awesome. But if you ever watch that, uh, they only did one season and they canceled it, which is a shame. But they're kind of redeeming that by bringing them back. But uh, you could watch it on, I think it's on HBO Max now, but they had it on DC Universe when that was kind of a thing. And uh, CW Seed, which is like the sister thing for CW, Mm -hmm. the show that's on there too. Um, But that season was a lot, it was very directly close to the comics. Like the first issue here, the first issue is just like the first episode where there's this hunger demon and it shows like somebody, like he's at a buffet or he's at a restaurant and he just eats and eats and eats and eats until he just pretty much kills him. And like he starts off skinny and, and then like then the demon is like in the form of swarm of insects and moves on to the next person and of course Constantine is brought in to investigate it. So, and so that first issue was a lot like that. And then the one that I just finished reading uh, was, was actually a couple Swamp things Swamp, Swamp Thing uh, issues. And it was a crossover with him. And it got really weird. Like nice. uh, Constantine, like he he got a, a piece of Swamp Thing. He, Pulled it off of him, and he rolled it up in a zigzag and smoked it. And then, so Swamp Thing was had possessed Constantine, and so he was walking around doing stuff and talking to Abby Arcane, which in the the, the Swamp Thing TV series that they also canceled, she was the main character in that. And so Constantine or Swamp Thing as Constantine was talking to Abby Arcane, and I guess him in the human form that was they were going to, he was going to impregnate her, and they were going to have a kid together, which was supposed to be, was going to be Swamp Thing kid or something, which is really weird. Uh, And then uh, there's the character in there, Papa Midnight. So all the episodes of Papa, where Papa Midnight was on the show, uh, were like really directly pulled from the issues here where he was in. Uh, So yeah, Hellblazer, that's, Have
0: you guys ever read any Constantine or Hellblazer? I haven't read uh, any. I mean, I've, I've flipped through and I've touched on them a little bit and, and I kind of try to keep up, you know, just in general, what's going on in, in the, the comics world. Um, Just there's, there's too many for me to read them all. And so I just kind of rely on other people who've read them and, and, you know, given their uh, their take on it and and you know kind of a synopsis, so to speak. So
3: at the, at one of the in Grand Island they do their little Comic Con thing. And the the first one I we went to, one of the one of the there's like a panel talking about cosplay. And one of the guys he did one of the probably the simplest thing you could do for Constantine where he literally just had on the like long jacket like white shirt and a cigarette like i'm like he probably spent 20 bucks on it like a goodwill but yeah i was like well that's easy costume
1: right but uh, everybody who knows and loves constantine they definitely can tell like oh that's you that, that's who you are yep <laughs> uh so but everything looks like my
0: costume for halloween i think i spent like 40 bucks on it that's fat Thor.
1: That's, that's nice.
0: <laughs> nice.
1: I think didn't you share that to the Geek Life group? Yeah. yeah. I think I remember that. Uh, Sandman. A uh, Sandman.
0: They're making a Netflix oh,
1: series of it. Neil Gaiman. Yeah, it's Neil Gaiman on Yes, and getting into him.
0: Oh, go ahead. Um, hey, no, that's fine. Um, there is a. I think it's uh, not Kindle um, audible um, has an audiobook book uh, quote unquote audiobook. It's more of a, a like throwback to an old school radio drama yeah. where they took like the first, I think 12 issues and scripted it for uh, audio. And it's fantastic. They have such a, an amazing cast. James McAvoy, is a, a dream and yeah. so many like a lot of uh bigger names that you recognize and they just like it, it's an audio but it is so visual like in their descriptions and everything you know what's going on and and I mean I, I read the the Sandman series way back when um and I loved it and so as soon as it came out I'm like I'm getting it and I pre-ordered it and and it was fantastic So if you haven't and you want to try Audible, you know, I mean, I think they have their, like, you know, one or two books free or something like that. You know, check it out. It's awesome. Yeah, I just recently got. I'm so looking forward to the Netflix series, too.
3: Oh, yeah.
1: I just recently got Audible for that reason. I mean, uh, the wife, Kim, she just got it. Uh, And there's things that she wants to get on there. But that's my main thing I wanted Audible for was that Sandman audio drama. And like, uh, I think Taron Egerton, uh, from the Kingsman movies, uh, he's Constantine Mm -hmm. and like Kat Dennings, um, uh, from the Thor movies, she's his sister death. Yep. And, uh, Neil Gaiman is, uh, Neil Gaiman is the actual, the narrator. Um, but yeah, uh, Neil Gaiman is, I really, since Sandman, so like, um. I had checked out volume one from the library. So I haven't got volume on it yet. Like own it, but I read it from the library and then I went ahead and I, I, found volume two and volume three. But since I got really into his writing, I was like, Oh, I love this guy. And I started reading some more, some of his books too. Uh, this one right here, Neverwhere. That's a really good book. Mm. It's like, uh, it explores like the underground of London. Like there's a whole society that just, they they don't, technically they don't exist up in the regular society of London and they just live in like the tunnels and stuff. So that's really good. But, uh so yeah, Sandman basically. Um Yeah, yeah, I can't wait, like Josh said, can't wait for the Netflix series. And, um, they said that they're gonna faithfully adapt Volume One. So Volume One um, basically, so it like starts off like the 20s or 30s or whatever, and there's this warlock or a guy that just doesn't really know what he's doing, and he wants to capture death. So you know he wants to, so you know, so pe- pe- people don't die. So, so he can yeah, so live forever. Yeah, he live forever. And like the mythology in Sandman is like there's this group of they don't necessarily call them gods but they call them the endless and like and everybody yeah. they all start with a d and so we and sandman which has like three or four names uh morpheus sandman or dream dream that's his d name mm-hmm. and uh there's like despair or whatever and there's death which death is death. basically she basically looks like a gothic girl um which I guess I can't <laughs> well,
0: it's they all do, I it. think, to some degree. Yeah,
1: And, like, Sandman <laughs> himself, he basically looks like the the lead singer of The Cure, like, with the crazy hair and stuff. <laughs> I really think that's what he, which is funny. Okay, so Sandman, he was, like, based off of the lead singer of The Cure. And Constantine, I heard, was, he was actually inspired by Sting. The Stinger Sing. Sting.
0: Sting, Sting, whatever. I can see it.
1: Yeah, and so uh, see, I don't, I don't listen to gothic music or whatever, but evidently I read gothic comics, um, so I don't know a whole lot about the here, <laughs> but I know. Uh, so, anyways, uh, so the guy I, wanted. To I mean, through.
3: Gargoyles was a good show.
1: Gargoyles? No, <laughs> yeah, that was kind of gothic.
3: I meant Gargoyles was an awesome show. <laughs> yeah, I don't you know, know if that's. that's awesome. Awesome.
1: Hopefully, they make that into a live-action movie here soon. Um, But anyway, so the guy wanted to capture Death, which was a girl, and which was uh, Sandman's sister. But he captures Sandman instead. And so he captures him, and he keeps him hostage in his, like, basement or whatever. And so for, like, he he hasn't for years, decades. And, like, a bunch of people... Yeah, a bunch of people go into, like, comas and stuff, like, dreamless comas. And, like, a lot of people aren't dreaming and everything, and it's messing up, like, uh, Morpheus, Samen, whatever you want to call him. He's, like, the leader of this realm called the Dreaming. And, like, of course, in the realm itself, it's, like, they don't have the ruler there, so it's kind of going in shambles and stuff. So, eventually, like, 70 or so years later, the guy that captured him, he had done passed on. And so his son had taken over. Like his, his son was in charge of uh, keeping him captive. And he had like these guards sitting there watching him. And by that time, they're like really stupid. And so Sandman tricks him and uh, let, let him go. Like he, he does something, fools him, and he gets free. And so he gets a hold of the son. And the son is like, Really? I had nothing to do with it. I just took, took you off for my father and so he's like uh man's like okay i'll take it easy on you and he curses him with the eternal waking and uh, you ever have like these mm-hmm. nightmares of dreams where you know you have this crazy messed up nightmare and then you wake up or you think you've woken up but you're still in the dream and so mm-hmm. that was basically what he did to this guy he did he just he was on an eternal loop of that and then so the so that happens that's like basically the first or se- first and second issue and the uh, rest of the arc for volume one is the guy had sold off all of sandman's stuff he had like three things he had like his mask which was like uh had like a an elephant uh whatever nose and he had like a scepter and like a bag of sand and so he had to go out his and, pouch uh, The pouch yeah and he had to go and find that stuff because they all got sold off and like i can't remember who had what but like he had to go to down to hell because lucifer had i think lucifer had the mask uh correct me if so. i'm wrong josh because yeah you've read this so he had the mask and it was like a gas mask kind of thing and so he had to go down there and like there's yeah. a spin, spin-off comic of lucifer which they have the show and stuff on netflix i haven't watched that yet but uh that all comes from sandman so he goes down there, and like mm-hmm. hell is that, like now split up between like three people, Lucifer, Beelzebub, the the Lord of the Flies, and then I can't remember who the third one is. But so he has to go down, and Lucifer they challenge like to a battle of the wits, and like uh, shape shifting and stuff, and that's how he gets mass back. And then the, I think it's the the pouch uh, he has he goes to Constantine for. It's a nice little crossover with Constantine, mm-hmm. and but Constantine he had sold it to somebody, so him and Constantine team up for like two issues to go find it. And like when they do the Netflix series, they said it's gonna really faithfully adapt the comic, only they're just gonna put it in modern day, not the 80s. And so that should mean Constantine. I don't know who's gonna play him if it's gonna be Matt Ryan keanu Reeves, because they said there's going to be a costume too with Keanu Reeves, or if it's going to be somebody else entirely different i don't know james who put egerton played him in the audio column so he'd be cool and then like the third one i guess yeah. would be the scepter they they went to uh or was it dr destiny had it who they had to go to arkham yes. asylum that's where he was and, he was the villain for the uh, Arrowverse crossover, Elseworlds. Until yes. They... Yes. Alright. And which was cool that they had the same actor. The same actor was on the Constantine show. He was a different character. He was like a professor that was a friend of Constantine's. So they had the same actor play Dr. Nice. Destiny on that. And I was hoping that would have been like their tie-in in like, Sandman's gonna come soon to the Arrowverse or at least use that as a tie-in with Constantine or something, but, but, so yeah, he had to get, uh, the scepter from him, and, like, they had uh, he, he even went to, like, the Justice League headquarters, and they had, like, uh, Mr. Miracle and Martian Manhunter there. They were kind of a little crossover there, too. Mm-hmm. So that was, like, the whole, yeah. uh, that was the whole first volume there, which they're going to adapt into the Netflix series. And then volume two, which I would assume be like season two. Um, so they introduced uh, a character in volume one when they introduced like all of the, the people that went in the coma. There was a girl that went in the coma and like somebody impregnated her. As
0: a child, so, right?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. That's
0: right.
1: Yeah. Well, they impregnated <laughs> her while she was in the coma. So basically, right. And, uh, and so she yeah, yes. she had a kid. And then so in volume two, I think they did it kind of in volume one where like she was the the lady was like basically dying. So she called and her daughter that was that she had while she was in a coma and her daughter, so her grand granddaughter. And they called her in to like read mm-hmm. a will or something. And so like in volume two here, the granddaughter and the grandson were like main characters and like the grandson yes he was like uh captured by somebody else who was masquerade he was like a different kind of same man he was and he had like created his own realm or some virtual reality thing and like he was giving his kid these dreams about like he was like a same man he was like a superhero and like the kid was like he was protecting the kid or something so giving him good dreams basically but he had in real life, the kid was like in shackles or something, kind of like a Harry yeah, Potter, like underneath a the... basement.
0: Yeah, e- yeah, exactly, exactly.
1: And so the girl, the the sister, uh, all she knew that her her brother was missing, and so she goes and mm. uh, her mission is to go and try to find him. And she gets a hold of her neighbor because she lives like in this apartment complex, and this neighbor. Uh, helps her, helps her, and you find out later that the neighbor is like a warlock or something, and the neighbor knows uh, Sandman, and so they like they get a hold of, yeah, Morpheus, and they get a hold of him because
0: he, he came from the dreaming originally.
1: Yeah, that's right, and he was like, uh, he was not even he wasn't a human; he was like a concept or something, and like when he came hmm. over to Earth, he like became
0: a human or something
1: which was which was kind of weird with that it
0: took human form
1: yeah yeah and then, so like of course at the end when uh morpheus shows up to this imposter Sandman, he's pissed because somebody's an, an imposter is him for one thing and then another thing he's also mad that you know he's uh this is the child that you met messing with And then Volume 3 is just a bunch of short stories. I wasn't really too impressed with Volume 3. And they recently did some comics that I was reading called, it was like spin-off comics called The Dreaming, which was like the people that live in the realm. And they introduced this uh, original character to there. Her name is Dora. And she had like feathers, as uh, ears. But like when she'd get mad, she'd turn into a beast. And she was like struggling with the fact that is she real or not? Is she just a figment of somebody's imagination? So they really got deep in with that.
0: Hmm. What um, I really loved about, you know, the Sandman, you know, and establishing this whole universe, um, aside from, you know, the, the main DC continuity and little tie-ins, um, I had read it and I loved it. The artwork, the the storyline, it was and and then the um, the audio uh, Audible uh, drama I thought was very faithful to um, the the comics. Um, And then a few years ago, I had read um, so DC did the the whole rebirth thing after the New Fifty Two, but years ago. When um, I think back in the the early two thousands, they, you know, a couple of the characters that ha- they had had killed off, so like Barry Allen and and Oliver Queen, you know, the Green Arrow, they did um, rebirth uh, uh, and actually bringing them back to life in in the main DC continuity, and the Green Arrow Rebirth series. Um, actually, I think it was uh, written by Kevin Smith, um, was amazing. And they tied it in to the, the first issue of um, Sandman. Really? And that where, where Dream is captured in the basement and everything, they use that setting as kind of the prelude to bringing Oliver Queen back to life. Um, And I was like, I started reading it, you know, and and I'm like, oh,
2: I I know that. I know that.
0: (laughs) I got that. I understood that reference. (laughs) (laughs) Steve Rogers. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. So I was really excited about that. And and, um, so, I mean, in and of itself, it was it was a great, great storyline and and great concept and everything. But um, I loved how they tied it in. To Sandman, and and even though it doesn't have anything else to do with that beyond that, that first initial, um, like scene, um, it, it just it, it established itself in, you know, the main DC continuity there as a, as as opposed to being kind of an outlier, um, you know, so it, it can exist in and of itself, but then you know it just kind of. Kind of has it its own little little tip of the hat. Yeah, you know,
1: that's the thing that's about was, that. That's, I loved it. A lot of things that Kevin Smith does, like I have another Green Arrow uh, trade <clears> that <throat> Kevin Smith wrote, which is pretty good. I, he introduced, um, oh, Thea, uh, or was it Thea? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, yeah. There's uh, there, on uh, the show K- Arrow. Wasn't it Kamiko? Did he introduce Kamiko? Well, I not that there was like. Kevin Smith had said, like, uh, there was his sister on the show, Thea, but her middle name was, like, Mia or whatever. And then, like, uh, Kevin Smith was Mm -hmm. trying to say, well, I I basically created that character. And then eventually they had a character named Mia, which had taken on the Green Arrow, uh, which was Oliver's daughter from the future, and taken on the the Green Arrow uh, mantle, which I think that was basically Kevin Smith's... uh, creation right there but uh it's kind of like that's a great thing what kevin smith does he likes to tie in things he likes to pull from history or give little nods like there was Mm -hmm. a detective comics 1000 that they uh did last year which was all a bunch of short little Mm -hmm. stories about batman and yes the one that kevin smith did uh basically bruce wayne being the detective he is he went and he found the gun that killed his parents. And so he took that gun and he had melted it down and he used it for his uh his belt buckle And so that that's yeah that's classic Kevin Smith right there. So the if he yeah, yeah. if he wrote that one where he tied in the Sandman story with it. That's that definitely sounds like his ML.
2: Sounds like uh, <clears throat> he understands Batman's detective side and not his just brute force. Exactly. Hmm. Weird. Well,
0: yeah. and, and you know, I think Kevin Smith is as as like Kevin Feige is. You know, they they are fans of the comics. They understand them. They've read them. They know them, and they want what they create, you know, to have that feel and, and you know to to be a part of it rather than just, you know, having their own spin on it, but, you know, also acknowledging what has come before, you know, that they're not just, you know, some Hollywood producer or whatever, um, but they understand what they're writing and who they're writing it for. Uh,
1: Yeah. And then the, what you're saying about a fan being a fan, he, Kevin Smith has a long time podcast called batman on batman uh fatman on batman (laughs) and that's all all he does like at first i was really loving it because every episode he would just interview somebody who had something to do with batman like an artist or a writer or an actor or something and i really really enjoyed that uh, just learning about these different people like he had neil adams on an episode and Dennis neil on another one and i think one he had adam west on there even had Stan Lee on one, and Stan Lee talked about his friendship with Bob Kane, the creator of Batman. And uh, but then eventually it turned into he invited this uh, he had this other guy on there, who who was another uh, movie writer or show writer. He he was the showrunner for that Stephen King show on Hulu, um, Castle Rock. But
3: uh, Castle Rock.
1: Yeah, and I can't remember the guy's name. But so he brought that guy on, and then it. Wow. From then, it stopped being we're going to interview different creators. It was then it was just them to talk about Batman, and a lot of times they wouldn't even talk about Batman. They talked about other things in pop culture, and they they eventually changed the name to it being Batman Beyond. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I listen to it here and there, and it's interesting stuff they talk about, but it just it lost the aspect that I loved about
0: it. Nice. Well, hey, I uh, hate to do this, but I'm probably going to have to jet out of here. Okay. I've uh, got a couple of things I've got to to take what? care of, but I just want no, to uh, for say thank you. For what's that?
2: Thanks for giving us some of your, some of your Saturday, man. I know Saturdays right. aren't easy for a lot of people, so... <laughs>
0: No, absolutely. Uh, I had a blast and uh, hopefully we'll have to do this again sometime, but oh, thank yeah. you for having me on.
1: Yeah, th- yeah thanks, for, thanks for joining It's uh, good and,
0: to, uh, to finally see you guys. <laughs> yeah, likewise. Yeah, hey, you too, man. I must be